Hey, what's up, Fulios? Jake Steele here. Ironandsteel.com is the website. This is the Iron and Steel podcast. This is episode number 44 or episode number 44. If you're from the city. All right. First of all, I got to start off by asking you guys for a favor. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever the fuck else there is, um, hit the follow button or subscribe, whatever the case may be. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. It's hugely helpful. Same thing with the website, ironandsteel.com. Scroll to the bottom, click subscribe, punch in your email. You're going to be on my subscribers list. Not a big freaking deal, but it's very helpful. So if you guys could do that, it would be hugely, hugely helpful and greatly appreciated. Uh, if you're going to be a total wang about it and uh, not going to do any of that stuff, the very least you can do for me is uh, share the links. Uh, tell your friends and family. Share the podcast links if you if you enjoy it. Share the article links, things like that. Uh, it is the most significant thing you can do to kind of help support this podcast. Just uh, spread the word, basically. All right. So speaking of the website, ironandsteel.com, you're going to want to remember that because after I tell you this week's story, you're going to have an uncontrollable urge to go to the website and uh, check out this article for yourself firsthand because the story is fantastic and the photos are just as good. So if you didn't listen last week, um, Sean Clayson sent through some information about a Model A coupe that he owns, uh, had been his uncle's car for decades and uh, him and his wife acquired it after his uncle's passing and uh, eventually put the car together. It's a just standalone in its own right is a bitchin' car. But the interesting thing was uh, the backstory. So through some of this conversation with conversations with Sean, um, it was kind of discovered that, oh yeah, by the way, there's uh, actually one of the original builders I'm in contact with, and uh, he wrote a little story about the car and how it came to be. So bitchin' little car. It was originally built by two brothers in the Bakersfield area in uh, basically the late 1950s. And uh, so Sean was able to send me uh, basically a scan of an original of a story that was written by one of the original builders of this car. And uh, he included a whole bunch of photos too. And the story's great and the photos are fantastic. So I can't wait to tell you guys this story. It's super bitchin'. It's called Hot Rod of Dreams, which was what the original builder, uh, Wes Selvage, named the article. And uh, it's fitting. It's a bitchin' car, tons of great photos. They're all on the website, ironandsteel.com. Go check it out. Uh, listen to the story first if you're not convinced just yet. Hear me out, listen to the story. I guarantee you're gonna wanna go to the site and look at the photos. All right, you guys. When we get done with that, we'll do some Q&A as per usual. And uh, as always, if you guys have your own stories, send them through, jake at ironandsteel.com. If you're new here, uh, here's the nickel tour. You send me your stories, include photos if you can. If you do that, I will publish uh, the story as a traditional article on the website. And um, I will read the story on this podcast. So every week, every Tuesday is a fresh article and a fresh podcast. And uh, we're mostly just telling your guys' stories, and they're all, so far, have been just fucking fantastic. 
And uh, everybody seems to really enjoy this format and uh, really enjoy listening to your guys' stories. So don't hesitate. If you have a story of your own, jake at ironandsteel.com. That is the email address. Send them through. Again, include photos. If you do, I'll publish it as an article. Um, if you don't have photos or it's uh, that's not a possibility, just send your story through. I will at least read it on the podcast. It can be a long story, short story. It can be about anything. Uh, old car related, significant to you in some way. Those are the only two um, sort of criteria. So yeah, don't be shy. Jake at ironandsteel.com. Send me your stories. We'll keep uh, telling every single one that I receive here on this podcast. And uh, for this week, this is Sean Clayson's uh, not really his story. It's actually Wes Selvage's story, but uh, via Sean Clayson, and it's a great story. I can't wait to tell it to you guys. So kick back and relax. Here we go. Okay, guys, here we go. This is Hot Rod of Dreams. It was written again by Wes Selvage, one of the original builders. Uh, of this little hot rod came to me via Sean Clayson, who is the current owner, caretaker, builder of this car. Uh, he and his wife are responsible for putting it back on the road after all these years. And the whole story in general, just full circle, is amazing. My favorite part of the story is this origin story from Wes, and that's what I'm going to read you today. Uh, per usual, my little uh, disclaimer just scrolling through in this case literally on my phone scrolling through this article on my website reading it aloud as i go uh, so bear with me if i fumble over a word here or there we're just going to keep going we always do these in one take stakes are low we're just having fun here we go hot rod of dreams here's what wes has to say he says it is the 1950s an era of style and unharnessed performance no exception is this Model A Ford Coupe Hybrid, featuring a 3031 body, 2829 fenders, and 32 shell and grille assembly. Its drop center Dago front axle and three and a half inch chop top add to the rakish look created by JB and Wes Selvage in their formative high school years, thanks to the ranch shop our second home. A radically hopped up four banger, later replaced by a Chevy V8, featured numerous all out enhancements, such as an Iskandarian full race cam, dual Stromberg 97 carburation, and custom handmade exhaust headers, to name a few. Side cutouts when uncapped, provided a fire breathing show at night as blue cones of flame glowed out both sides. Chrome Nerf bars were a 50s fad, as seen here, handmade by JB and Wes. The car was completed and show ready, concurrent with the 1958 hit tune, Shaboom, Life Could Be a Dream, by the Crew Cuts. In 1955, I was in the seventh grade and my brother, JB, was in the eighth grade. We were growing up on the family ranch in the small town of Buttonwillow, California. 
Our father was in charge of equipment maintenance and the shop, which was actually an old dairy barn where we had helped to milk the cows. With our father's influence, we gravitated toward all things mechanical. I can still remember the day that dad brought home the latest innovation in welding, a Lincoln Arc welder. After strictly admonishing us not to look at the arc, he taught us how to weld. We had already learned the rudiments of gas welding. Our grandmother, Fanny, uh, I believe it's Fanny Tracy. I think I misspelled it on the site. I'll have to change that and fix that. Our grandmother, Fanny Tracy, lived about three miles away. She was an early pioneer from the late 1800s and the matriarch of the ranch. She always had a huge garden and liked to have her many grandchildren help her whenever they could. For my family living the farthest away, this was a bit of a problem. It was too far to walk for a short visit, so her solution was to tell my father, known as Skip, to buy us a, quote, jalopy so we could drive it to her house. Never mind that we were little kids with no driver's license. To grandma, laws were inconveniences to be worked around. Our dad soon found a jalopy in Buttonwillow, a 1931 Model A Ford, painted black with a green top, and a box in the back where the rumble seat used to be. The price? was $100 cash. We were naturally very excited and on the day of delivery, we're standing out by the road watching. Pretty soon, we heard the sound of a little four-banger coming up the road. It seemed to have a bit of a problem though. See, the back end wasn't lined up with the front end. It was sort of dog tracking. Our dad asked the owner what happened and he said a guy on a Harley Davidson had plowed into it while it was parked. Well, I don't know what happened to the guy on the Harley, but it bent the frame on the Model A. The price was then reduced to $35 and we were now the proud owners of our very own first car bent frame and all. The next day, we drove it the half mile to the ranch shop with a plan. We would pull the body off, put the frame against a tree, hook a tractor to the opposite side, and straighten the frame. We then would throw the thing back together and have it going again in a few days. Well, Six months later, pieces were sort of laying everywhere and dad could see that we were never gonna finish this project. So he again went in search of another jalopy. This search led him to one of his favorite hangouts, 
Trout's Bar in Oildale. Part of what was to become known as the, quote, Bakersfield Sound. He met a man named Sweet, who had an oil field service company and owned a 1928 Model A, painted baby blue. It was stock, except for a four-inch Dago dropped axle, Mallory dual-point ignition, and red disc wheels, which had come off a dirt track car driven by Rosie Rossell, a local legend. The price was $75, which was ridiculously low, even for the time. I think they were likely both drunk. So we now owned two cars, one in pieces and one a runner. Now in those days, if you lived in the country, you could get your learner's permit at 13 and a half and your license at 14. Thus, my brother was able to drive 16 miles to Wasco High his freshman year in his very own car. Needless to say, he was big man on campus. After one year, we decided our car needed a few modifications, and naturally, we felt we had the talent to do them ourselves. I had built my own motorbike in the seventh grade by combining my Schwinn bicycle with a lawnmower engine. Our first idea was to chop the top, but we had a problem. The top of the 28 was made of wood covered with cloth and not very good to work with. The solution was to chop the top on the all-metal 31 body and stick it on the 28. We cut three and a half inches out with a hacksaw and gas welded it all back together. This was just the beginning of a two year period where the car was going through many changes. All of my sophomore and junior high school years, we would ride the bus home, get our homework done, walk the half mile to the ranch shop, and embed ourselves in the wonderful world of a dream hot rod until midnight when we would trudge home in the dark, greasy and tired, but happy. Our parents allowed us to keep up this routine as long as we kept up our grades. We both became student body president and at the same time learned so much in that shop. At the end of the two years, it finally hit the road again and we were very proud. It now had a full race Model A engine with special valves, pressure mains, full race ISKI cam, 297s on a Burns manifold, shaved head, a 19 pound flywheel, Auburn racing clutch, and a Cadillac LaSalle three-speed transmission. We added a 32 grill shell, Stuart Warner gauges in the dash, and moved the gas tank to the rear. The back end got a set of Pontiac taillights. We made our own Nerf bars front and back and created an exhaust system with capped off cutouts 
under the running boards. My brother, who was the most mechanically talented, even made the header, which had four capped off flanges where, with the hood off, we could add four stacks sloping up and back. We liked to drive at night with the blue flames shooting out of those pipes. In the spring of 1959, we took it to the Famoso Drag Strip to an event that would later become known as the March Meet. I was the designated driver and took it through the quarter mile in 17 seconds at 70 miles per hour. All that little banger could do. For some crazy reason, due to weight versus cubic inches, we came up against a coupe with a blown V8 and a B&M stick hydro transmission. I remember telling our buddies that we were gonna get beat badly, but at least we would make a good showing at the line because he had an automatic and we had a clutch. Well, when the starter dropped the flag, he took off and was about a hundred feet down the track before I could even release the clutch. <laughs> so much for my little theory. After some time, the wrist pin lock let go and ruined our engine. We got a hold of a 55, 265 cubic inch Chevy V8, put in a cam and two four barrels, and drove it in that form for a couple of years. In 1959, my brother was off to junior college in Bakersfield and left me as a high school senior in charge of the car. I courted my future wife in that car, much to the discontent of her father, who wasn't quite too sure about the car or the kid. In 1960, I too was off to junior college, and we decided more dependable transportation was needed. We had a classmate from high school named Merle Hallmark, who really wanted the car. So we struck a deal. A little cash was exchanged and I took over the payments on his 1960 Impala. It was lowered in the front and had a 348 and a four-speed. We hated to see the Model A go, but it was a practical decision. Merle painted the car a darker metallic blue and kept it for only about six months before selling it to John DeWitt, who had a hot rod shop in Bakersfield. Years later, I visited his shop and saw the car in many pieces. He had plans for a bunch of modifications, including all new running gear. Again, some years later, I heard that John still had the car and I found him in a different location. I made an offer on the car, but he said he would never sell it. And if anything ever happened to him, that the car would go to his nephew, Sean Clayson. Well, in 1998, John died, but it wasn't until very recently that someone showed me a picture of the car 
back on the street. Sean had some history on the car and had contacted me. He wanted to bring it out to show my brother and I the old car in its new form. We arranged a date, Saturday, March 1st, and I decided that we may as well make it a party. So I invited several friends and we had a hot rod gathering with about 60 people and 15 cars. Sean let me drive it for a run down the road in front of our, in front of our house, the same road where we did our testing over 60 years ago. We posed the car in front of the old dairy barn where it was originally built. And there's pictures of that on the website. It is so cool. Uh, Wes goes on to say, I'm so glad to see the car came into the hands of Sean and his wife, Anna. They have their own story now. When you look back, it is amazing how a car and experience that you gain working on it can influence your life. Something I think may be completely lost on today's youth. My brother went on to get an engineering degree at Cal Poly and became a design engineer at Peterbilt Truck in Fremont, California. After also graduating from Cal Poly and briefly being in the ag trucking business, I came to a fork in the road. I briefly considered becoming a crop duster pilot, that's interesting, as I already had my license, but eventually I came back to the family ranch, which was ultimately a very wise decision. I did pursue flying as a hobby and competed in aerobatic competition for 20 years in a Pitts Special, a small biplane. I was eventually a four-time California state champion in the advanced class and twice third in the nation aerobatics. This also led to racing the Reno Air Races several times. In 1995 though, my interest switched to restoring old classic wooden boats. I'm currently racing a boat in Vintage Race at Lake Tahoe, in a Vintage Race at Lake Tahoe. Uh, it has a highly modified 600 horsepower Jaguar V12 and goes very fast. <laughs> I bet it does. There's a picture of that boat on the website too. It's amazing. Uh, Wes also says, uh, I'm also restoring a 1940 midget race car, which I hope will soon drive on the track in a vintage, in a, in vintage racing. Uh, five years ago, at age 70, I decided to learn to fly a helicopter and now also enjoy that form of flying. Man, this guy's done a lot. He closes by saying, I don't know where it all ends, but I do know where it started. With a Hot Rod Model A.
Okay, guys, there you have it. Hot Rod of Dreams. Wes Selvage wrote that story. It came to me via Sean Clayson. Sean is the current owner, builder, caretaker of that car. Uh, he and his wife are the responsible parties for putting it back on the road after all these years. Uh, the John DeWitt that was mentioned in the story, Wes's story, is uh, Sean's uncle, which is how he ultimately uh, came to own the car. So there you have it. What a great story. What an incredible life this West guy has lived and is continuing to live. I mean, at 70 years old, he's learning how to fly a helicopter. He's like restoring boats and like racing midgets. It's, it's nuts. I feel like at 70, I'm going to be like sitting around shitting my pants. This guy's like <laughs> setting the world on fire, doing stuff that like most quote young guys like us you know in their 30s and 40s aren't even doing this guy's like lived this incredible life and still doing it so amazing killer story super happy to have shared it with you guys i hope you guys really enjoyed it uh i'm sure by now you're itching to get over to the website to check out the article firsthand i strongly encourage you to do it uh the the photos are every bit as good as the story and they really tie everything all together. I always say go to the website, check the story out for yourself, look at the photos because the photos do tie everything together. But uh, in this case especially, it's huge because there's just, I don't know, probably 12 or 18, 15, 16 photos uh, from that time period, from the 50s and 60s and they're awesome. You got to check them out. So head over there. It's called Hot Rod of Dreams. Ironandsteel.com is the website. Again, you guys, while you're there, click subscribe. Just takes two seconds. Share the links. Tell your friends and family. It would be uh, hugely uh, helpful if you could do that. So please do. Again, if you guys have your own stories, send them through Jake at Ironandsteel.com. I will tell every single one that I receive. Let's jump into some Q&A. Then we'll say peace out, bitches, for this week. And uh, yeah, then we'll uh, do the stuff and the things. All right, first question was, are you pumped for Trog? Yeah, I am pumped for Trog, dog. <sighs> uh, yeah, I am. I've never been to a race of gentlemen event, so <clears throat> gonna pop my Trog cherry down in Riverside. Uh, I'm just happy mostly that the car that I was aiming to get done for that event is done. Uh, apparently unless something breaks but uh yeah seems to be a happening unit and ready to hit the track um yeah it's not the fastest thing in the world it's like uh you know it has a hemi in it but it's a red ram you know a 270 red ram so it's like uh it's fast but it's like hot rod fast not race car fast so we'll see i'll step on some flatheads down there if they'll let me but uh you know any serious race cars it's uh be setting the world on fire but it'll be fun and uh, i am looking forward to it second question was also trog related are you bringing any merch to trog uh no i hadn't no i hadn't really thought about that uh they don't want you like peddling your bullshit out of the back of a van or anything i don't think and uh i don't know if they have vendors or not uh but no i hadn't planned on bringing any merch to Trog. If you have something specific that you want or whatever, just uh, send me a message. I mean, it's not out of the question that I can 
uh, bring something down or whatever. So just let me know. Um, the next, this is more of a comment. It says, uh, I think you should have people on this podcast and interview them. Uh, cool. I think you're wrong about that. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I get, I get comments related to that one way or the other super often. Uh, a lot of people kind of say the same thing or at least kind of, you know, out of the side of their mouth mention like, oh, maybe you should have some people on an interview. And other people message specifically and say, that they enjoy the podcast because it's not the traditional format of like host and guest. And I don't know. You should have people on this podcast in a way. I feel like I am having people on this podcast because I'm telling their stories. So a majority of the stories that we tell here are listener reader stories. And so in that way, I feel a little bit like we're kind of doing that anyway. And it just feels like the traditional host and guest format is boring and tired and I get a lot of comments from people that say like I don't listen to podcasts I'm not a podcast guy I enjoy this one and that's it and to be truthful with you guys I'm not even a podcast guy like people that another comment or question that I get pretty often is you know something like what hot rod podcast do you like I don't listen to really anything uh podcast on a podcast so yeah, uh, the traditional host guest thing. I'm not really super into that. I really like this format. There's nobody else doing this. There's nobody else telling your guys' stories, especially even if there is somebody out there reading uh, articles off their site or their blog or whatever. Maybe there is. Um, I don't think there's anybody asking, actively asking for your guys' stories, taking the time to like collate the photos and publish an article and then read the story as a like I don't know I feel like we're the only ones doing it I think it's cool if you don't like it I don't know kick rocks I guess <laughs> but most people seem to really enjoy it so we're gonna stick with this format for now and just kind of see how it goes okay um the next question was are you going to do any more serial killer shirts or is it just the three uh I think it's gonna be just the three you know, I had a hard-on for this serial killer <laughs> hot rod themed uh, series of shirts for a long time. And uh, I put a lot of money and time and effort into making these shirts. And they are fucking bitching. I mean, just standalone as artwork. Uh, they're amazing. Evan Danes, tattoo artist down in Australia. Mega wickedly talented guy and a hot rod guy like he's just a cool person and a really bitchin artist uh he drew the series and they're phenomenal the color the everything about him is perfect he could not have done it better that said uh it didn't translate very well to like the quote masses <laughs> so kind of like i suspected most people don't really get it the people that do get it and the people that do, you know, like it and enjoy it, really like it. And everyone that bought a shirt bought all three and stickers and loved it. And, you know, people were buying multiples so they could hang them on the walls and all sorts of shit. That said, that wasn't most people. And, you know, there were a few 
fart sniffers that were like, oh, how can you possibly do something like this? It's abhorrent, you know, you know, didn't quite get the joke, but uh, yeah, so they didn't exactly uh, kill it as far as like flying off the shelf or anything. I've got a bunch of them. I still think they're bitching. I have a bunch of stickers and a whole bunch of stock of the shirts and I don't really see any need to do a fourth unless uh, I come up with some wicked pun that I hadn't thought of or some really good idea. But uh, yeah, for now, it's I think it's just going to be the three. Uh, the next question was, of the cars that you own or have owned, which is your favorite? Uh, the next one. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> that's kind of the problem with Hot Rod guys, right? Like, we always sort of want the next one. We're always dragging this shit home, you know, new projects, even when the three previous projects aren't quite done. I mean, we're all idiots, right? Or maybe it's maybe it's just me and my friends, or my friends and I. But uh, yeah, you know, of the cars that I own or have owned, in all seriousness... I don't know you kind of always have like a bit of a love affair with like the newest one or the one you've had the least amount of time so i guess in that regard i'm pretty pumped on this um coupe the hemi coupe that i'm going to take down to trog uh just because it's only been you know quote done for a few days i've only put i don't know probably 40 miles on it so far and so i'm still loving that uh the kind of sort of um one that's always been around and is kind of the most significant to me is the maroon uh 36.5 window you know when it comes down to it that's probably my quote favorite just because it was kind of my it was my first 36 ford which is what i'm most passionate about but uh you know before i even bought that car i had put thousands of miles on it i'm sure because uh it was my best friend robbie's car and Robbie has always had, you know, 20 cars or more or whatever. So <clears throat> historically, back when I was, you know, just like a scrub, <laughs> I mean, I still am, but back when I was like, just kind of getting going, uh, if the car that I owned at that time was broken down or I was doing something to it and I couldn't drive it and we wanted to go to a show, that 36 Ford was always the car that, you know, hey the key's in it just take my Ford and it was like the car that always started the car that I could you know take anytime I wanted to the keys are in it just you know jump in it and go and uh, so in a lot of ways I fell in love with that car but long before I ever bought it and uh, yeah I mean I put tens of thousands of miles on that car I've just driven the dog shit out of it so you know in that regard it's probably Probably my quote. I don't know if it's my quote favorite, but it's certainly the most significant. So that's a really long-winded way to not answer that question. <laughs> uh, the next question was: Do you have any advice for a regular old poo boy? Regular old poo boy. I think you're trying to say po boy. There's one o in po. And if you put two O's, it spells poo. That's what you get for trying to be cute. Do you have any advice for a regular old po' boy like me 
with no money trying to build a hot, trying to build a hot rod on a really small budget. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. How bad do you want it? You know, I mean, that's kind of the question. So, um, I guarantee you're doing other things in your life that if you wanted to build a hot rod badly enough, you could cut some other thing out of your life and make it happen. It's just my feeling. So, you know, and I don't know what that is. Uh, a good example for me, I grew up with motorcycles. I rode dirt bikes, motocross, you know, and then eventually got into, you know, Harleys and choppers and shit like that. I, I've always had a motorcycle up until pretty recently. And the reason I can't have motorcycles anymore is because I can't have a fucking bunch of motorcycles and a bunch of cars. I don't have the money, the time, the space. So, you know, I'm sort of only allowed one vice and it's hot rods and, and cars. So <clears throat> I guess that's just an example of something that I cut out of my life in order to further this kind of obsession really so if you're obsessed with the idea of having a hot rod i don't know cut out the video poker cut out the you know whatever the hell you're doing quit buying a coffee you know every morning i mean it's you know stupid shit like that uh you know those are stupid examples but i guarantee if you want it badly enough you can make it happen so get off your ass um you know quit staying out late quit waking up late get up early you know try to find some shit to buy and sell, flip, do side jobs, do whatever the hell you can do. Scare up a little bit of money. Uh, read an article called Get Some Patience Now on my website and uh, follow that to the letter. And uh, if you want it badly enough, you can have it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Uh, is the Maroon 36 for sale? I get that question probably at least once a month. Uh, sure, 50k. So bring your big boy check, checkbook, or just the check. The one check will do. I don't need the whole book. Uh, are the estranged drags happening again this year? Yes, they are. Same dates, uh, end of August, Toodle, Washington. Uh, yeah, it's the best actual drag race, like race car drag race event going on the West Coast. Period. If you like gassers altered fucking dragsters everything uh it's as close as you can get to stepping back in time uh there are hot rods but uh you know we do a car show uh swap meet and race so if you like all of those things that's where you need to be so yeah end of august uh Tudor, washington three days so is it happening again this year? Yes, it is. Uh, let's do one more and then we'll say goodbye for this week of your, I like this question <clears throat> of your other interests, which if you're, uh, if you listen often, you know what they are. They're weird of your other interests. What is the one that you're into the most, uh, as an example, unsolved crime, ghosts, etc. And will you ever write anything? that would have any crossover between that and cars? Uh, I like that question. I thought it was kind of interesting. So, 
yeah if you don't know uh super fucking weirdo you know anything unsolved uh whether it's crime or you know urban legends small town monsters you know local legend type of stuff uh ghosts ufos cryptids you know bigfoot other dimensions like i'm all over that shit so uh, to answer your question of other in, of your other interests, what's your what is the one you're into the most? I, you know, I think if I were to pick one, it would be UFOs, life on other planets, or you know, specifically, more specifically, um, life on other planets visiting this planet. Uh, I just think it's probably the most important question ever kind of posed to mankind like are we alone you know i don't think there's a i don't think there's a bigger question than that and uh or one that affects literally everybody on the planet more than that would so um of my other quote interests the one i'm most into i guess is uh would be ufo stuff uh will i ever write anything that's like a crossover between that and cars you know i don't know maybe it would have to be just the right circumstance i don't even know what it would be but uh it's not impossible those are the two things i like the most and maybe at some point they will converge so all right thank you guys uh there were a few more there's actually another half a dozen or so questions i'm gonna recycle them or uh, hold them over i guess for next week and uh, we'll get to those uh, next week I'll be down in California. Uh, I'm gonna do the trog thing, and then I'm gonna be in uh, uh, like the Palm Springs area for a couple of weeks. My plan is to continue recording podcasts while I'm down there. So uh, please send in your stories, Jake at IronAndSteel.com. Keep them coming. Uh, I'm gonna bring you know my laptop and microphone and all that stuff, and I can do all the all this shit on the fly. So yeah. Um, don't hesitate. Send me your stories, jake at ironandsteel.com. I will read every single one that I receive and uh, let's keep this going. Again, you guys, please hit subscribe, tell your friends and family, you know, like, share, subscribe, you know, all that shit that everybody always begs you to do. Uh, I'm begging you to do it as well. It is hugely helpful. So please, if you want to continue to um, consume this content, let's keep it going. Send me your stories, tell your friends and family. Thank you guys again. Sean Clayson, thank you so much for that story. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. You guys go to the website, check out Hot Rod of Dreams. You will not be sorry. All right, you guys, I'll talk to you guys again in exactly seven days. Peace.